Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. All right, let's go right to the phones. And joining us, as he does every week at this time, Nate Zielinski. Good morning, Nate. Good morning, Terry. How are you today? You know, I'm doing well, and we're talking a lot about the changing conditions on the front range. But you add into that, we have some very stable and incredible ice fishing yet in the mountains. Turkey season's a few weeks away. Um, other boating, it's we're getting into that. You and I seem to talk about a lot where you're almost getting to where you have to start picking your poison again. Absolutely, Terry. You know, honestly, it's a terrible time of year for that because right now there's so much good opportunity. And honestly, you know, I'm as on the ice as much as about any angler I know. You know, we started guiding ice trips December 1st uh, up at Jefferson Lake. I've been wearing snow pants, bibs, goggles for months on end now. So there's no doubt there's a part of me that is so excited to get on the boat, to start catching walleyes. Um, And this time of year, you know, if if you're willing to dial in those patterns, you know, we have an incredible shoreline bite for big walleyes right now. Uh, The boats are going to be out, you know, very shortly with this forecast. So, so that, you know, that whole part of me is excited about that. But I mean, honestly, Terry, I do better for big fish on late ice than I do early ice. It's just a fact of the matter. I think so many anglers, get excited for early ice they hit it hard they hit it all winter and i'm starting to see less and less anglers on the ice and i don't blame them you you get burned out you get tired of dragging your stuff out there it's cold um and this nice weather gets you excited for spring but again when it comes to big fish um there there for me personally there's no better time of the year i mean what we're catching on the ice right now is unbelievable um so as much as i want to hit that open water Honestly, when we have, you know, almost a month at least of of ice in a lot of the high country, um, those big fish right now are hard to leave. That's for sure. So a lot of stuff going on. And then obviously the the, the kind of, you know, thrill of turkey hunting in the spring. So everything's happening. We're just going to kind of touch base on a little bit of all that today on the show. Well, let's start with the ice fishing. What, What bodies of water are you seeing? What kind of results and what techniques? Absolutely. So right now I'm breaking it down to three things. There's a lot of fish happening. I mean, you have a great salmon bite. The salmon really gathered hard at 11 mile. So we have a really good salmon bite there um, and and a lot of other species going. But I'm going to break it down to pike, lake trout and big spawning rainbows. And those are the three bites that I think are a must to hit right now. Uh, Starting with the lake trout. All your lake trout fisheries are doing good. Um, You know, we've been spending a ton of time at Williams Fork. Those fish are just now starting to move a little shallower. So um, I've been putting a hundred percent focus on big fish so you know when we go out we are looking for for nothing but giant fish you know we we rarely even see a 30 inch fish it is pretty much big fish or bust um and those fish have been sitting you know in a wide range all the way from extremely shallow out to last week we caught fish as deep as like 38 to 40 feet of water um now those fish are all starting to come just a little shallower so we probably saw a 20 to 25 percent increase uh in that shallower depth movement movement so a lot of movement into that you know 20 to 30 foot range so if you've been catching big lakers understand that there is starting to be a small transition to shallower water um, but those fish are, are getting antsy under the ice they're getting excited uh, and that bite is increasing so big lake trout is definitely a go um, i mean the biggest concept if you've never caught big trophy lake trout 
think shallow water, think very large baits, and think run and gun until you find those big fish. Um, you know, it's a very early bite, I would say. We start catching these fish at first light, uh, and I would say by 10, 11 o'clock, it starts to fade. If you're on a fishery that has a lot of food, the bite fades out earlier. If there's less food, they'll feed a little bit later into the day. But again, big lake trout, shallow water, big baits, move around until you find them. You're going to catch some big fish. So so that's the, the one hit there. Then we move into the big rainbows. Right now, you take a fishery like 11 mile, and we are seeing giant fish starting to come into basically those spawning areas. Obviously, we see a big push of spawning fish that go up the south flat, so they go up the inlet. But all your little feeder creeks that come into 11 miles, so like right now, Witcher's Cove, it is loaded with fish. You have got a ton of stalker rainbows to keep you entertained, but we got some giant fish moving in there. And then Cross Creek, which is located right at the inlet, um, you go out there, find the small channel cuts, those big giant rainbows are cruising those channel cuts as they go up into the river and, and just some big fish. I mean, if you ever wanted the opportunity at that 28, 30 inch rainbow, um, I mean, truly the fish of a lifetime right now is the time that those fish are coming. We're seeing the same thing at Antero. Antero is starting to see a little bit of oxygen deprivation. Those fish are cruising high in the water column, but same thing. They're piling into the boat dock. They're piling into the inlet. Um, you're seeing a, a massive transition of these big fish, uh, you know, really putting a full swing on the spawning cycles, and they're gathered and they're they're vulnerable in that shallow water. So those big rainbows, um, are, I'd say, our big focus is shallow water. Uh, we're pretty much fishing four to six feet of water in almost all situations for those big rainbows. Um, we're working a bait fairly active. I'd say quite a bit of movement get their attention. And honestly, we're all winter. We've been fishing a lot of natural colors, um, you know, browns, root beers, olives. You know, real natural for those bigger fish. Right now, as that spawn hits, um, we're moving into a lot of oranges and pinks. You know, there's there's a lot of fish that'll eat their own eggs, eat others' eggs. Um, so that kind of egg concept is big right now. So we're fishing a lot of like inch and a half tube jigs, but bright pink, bright orange, even bright red. Um, and those are the baits that are catching those giant fish right now. So that rainbow bite is something definitely to hit. And then probably the most near and dear to my heart and my favorite bite right now, pretty much what I'm almost exclusively guiding is big pike through the ice right now, Terry. Um, we saw a 40 inch fish every day this week. Um, we are flat out out on top of some giant fish um, and Terry we in Colorado have big pike it's just a statement we have big fish you know our fish have an endless food source uh, you know depending on which fisher you're at they're they're very bulky they're fat they're just a heavier fish in Colorado than we see almost anywhere else in the country and you throw this time of year on them to where they have spawn matter inside of them they they don't lose any weight in the winter with that cold water and these fish are fat we saw fish this week that were measuring out in girth at 28 inches. So literally right now, anybody that's listening, grab a tape measure, stretch it out 28 inches, make a circle, and think about that. Our fish are literally going in the, the, the mid-20 to the high 20-inch on girth. Um, I mean, these are flat-out giant fish. So uh, that pike bite is something that, that I've been spending so much of my time on, uh, and you just can't beat it. I mean, we're catching giant fish right now. And, again, uh, I don't think that's going to fade out. Um, you know, they get a little susceptible to, to pressure changes. We get storms coming through, but this bite's been on fire. It kind of kicked off with the full moon, and I anticipate us going all the way up into April on that great bite for 
those big pikes. So a lot of stuff happening on the ice. And again, we, we know open water's happening. We know turkey's coming up. There's a lot of cool stuff uh, else happening. But when we're getting fish as big in quality as we're getting right now, uh, it, it's hard to leave the ice. So I encourage guys, uh, again, keep the ice gear out for, for one or two more trips. It's definitely worth getting out for. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And as far as those big fish and the technique of going to brighter colors in the spring, I think there's a couple reasons for brighter colors work in the spring. One, one is the fish haven't been as pressured as they they will be in the open water. And two, I think that they get in these spawning stages, they get a little ornery and they sometimes aren't feeding, but just hitting that because it makes them mad. Yep. So uh, I'm a big proponent of brighter colors in the spring. Let's touch on the walleyes really quickly because we're going to cover that more in the next segment. I know that it's really we're a couple weeks away from that really opening up. But get us there, and then let's talk a little turkey hunting. Absolutely. So when we're talking about the walleye bite, obviously Pueblo is open. It's ready. It's good to go. Um, as far as your major fisheries, you know, Aurora Reservoir uh, is, is 100% capped. It's ice. Um, honestly, guys are pounding walleyes out there. I think we have probably come to the end of that ice season. I know our, our senior ice guy, Dustin Sigler, was out there every day early this week, but the ice is deteriorating fast on him. Uh, so I would say that ice bite's pretty much done to where we're pretty much 100% now focused on that open water. Uh, Cherry Creek is starting to show a lot of open water. Your east shore is open. Your dam's open. By the marina's open. Uh, and guys are out there throwing jerk baits in low light periods. They're throwing paddle tails and blade baits during the day. Uh, and we are seeing those pre-spawn walleyes out there. So they're 100% as a shoreline bite at that fishery. Uh, Chat Field starting to see some open water by the South Marina Handicap. Uh, we're starting to see just a tiny bit of water on the dam face. Uh, but I would say with the forecast, uh, things are going to start breaking up very quickly. Uh, we have a storm coming middle of the week. I think we're actually going to get rain out of that storm and not snow. Uh, and I don't think there's anything worse for ice than rain. So I really think that that storm is going to bring some rain, which is going to really help us break apart the ice that we have. I'm hoping we get some thermals and some pressure changes with that storm create some wind and kind of rip that ice off but even before we talk about boating which we'll cover next weekend the walleye i would put a major focus jerk baits and low light paddle tails uh and and blade baits during the day really focus on those paddle tails and there is a great shoreline bite for walleye so i think more than anything just keep that in mind because right now we're pre-spawn as we kind of go the next couple days even into the next weekend we're going to see an increase in transition from those fish going from a pre-spawn which is a feeding bite to a spawning bite which is reaction uh if you talk to any angler in the country i think almost all of us will agree we would rather target pre-spawn than spawn a spawning fish, you have to hit on the head. It becomes a luck game. That's where a pre-spawn bite is a feeding bite. The fish are looking for a meal. They're looking to, to take your bait, uh, and those fish are much easier to catch. So over the next couple of days, enjoy this nice weather. Hit those walleyes now while they're in a pre-spawn because things will change as they move into a spawning bite, and it begin. becomes more of a, a number thing. A lot of casts have to hit the fish on the head to get them to take the bait. All right. Now we're going to transition to turkey hunting. And just so you know, later on this hour, Colorado Clays is going to devote a whole bunch of time to patterning and what results they've seen with different guns and things. But I want to really hear what you're thinking about turkey hunting. You know, it's, it's April 10th and it, the season opens and too many people wait till the last minute. Ammunition might be hard to come by. So you've got to start getting out, finding ammunition. Do you have the right gun? What's your take on all that? 
Absolutely, Terry. So that's what I want to touch base on. I mean, we could have a, a, an entire two-hour show dedicated to Turkey, and we wouldn't even brush on it. Um, there's so much to it. But I want to say that, obviously, last year, you know, you can tr- deny it or try to not look at it. The, the whole concept of, of what COVID did to the outdoor industry blew it up. More people are enjoying the sport. Now, luckily, our turkey population is higher than it's ever been. Our turkeys are in other areas where they've never been. I'm running into turkeys carry in places where I never would have dreamed I would see turkey. So it's cool for the fact that I think our turkey population and the areas to hunt them is going to really be adequate for the number of hunters that we're going to see this spring. So I think that's great. So I really encourage people go out, especially next weekend. So the reason I'm going to say this is we're going to get some snow in the mountains, so especially the mountain areas. We're going to get snow this week. So one of those things, when I scout turkeys, I think so many people want to physically see the birds and they want to hear the birds gobbling. And we're not quite there yet. But right now, after a snowstorm, I go up and drive all the roads in the areas where I'm going to turkey hunt and i simply look for turkey tracks so i do all my scouting right after snow and that's how i'm going to determine where i have birds and where i don't have birds that's the first piece of advice get out and scout but instead of trying to hear them physically see them simply look for tracks know you have birds in the area that's step one Number two, I think some of our turkey gear, especially ammunition, shot shells, and tubes uh, for your for your firearm, for your shotgun, are going to be a little hard to find. Now, I will say I was in Bass Pro yesterday. They were fully stocked with a lot of turkey shells. Uh, they had a great selection of tubes. But with that being said, those items do sell out fast. So as we approach turkey season, I think you're going to see some of that gear be hard to find. So right now, grab some grab some shot shells. Um, and I don't really, I don't ever put a choke tube in until I fire the shot shells. But I'm not going to lie. Everybody thinks it's a bird. You know, we, we talk about goose and duck and all the waterfowl. But turkeys are not easy to kill. Now, when you bring them in, you know, to 20 yards and you have a shotgun in hand, yes things work out in your favor but if all of a sudden that bird's out there at 30 40 50 yards um, I think we all assume that our shotgun has the the energy and the capacity to, to make a clean harvest at distance but you have to to check that shotgun you need to know what it is so you know set up a, a turkey target Grab your turkey loads and figure out where your pattern uh, is going to be good to. You want to put a cluster of those BBs and pellets um, in that that the zone of that kill zone of that turkey, and you just literally want to start stepping back. Take a shot at 30 yards, see what your pattern is. Go to 30, 35, 40 yards, and all of a sudden you're going to get to the point where you say, hey, my pellets are not patterning good. I don't have enough in that kill zone. That is my distance. And you can either choose to say, hey, that is what it is. I just know I have to bring this bird and call this bird in to 20 yards or 30 yards or whatever that number is. Or if you say, hey, my pattern falls apart at 30 yards, I would like to shoot just a little bit further than that. That's when all of a sudden you're going to add those those choke tubes that are built for those turkey loads. So in Colorado, it's going to be four shot uh, you know, or smaller. So you're going to really break it down and say, hey, I'm taking that four shot turkey load. I'm going to start adding extended range choke tubes, tighter tubes to really build that pattern. And then you're going to start being able to increase that distance. But I start off with good turkey loads, shoot 
check my pattern, figure out my, my adequate range for a clean harvest, and then either be comfortable with that and just ha- make a hard stop if that's what it is, or I start dabbling into the different chokes out there. But the biggest thing right now, make sure you grab those loads, check those patterns to where you can purchase you know, alternate things to help that, but do it now before this product runs out. So again, that's kind of one of those other tips. And then lastly, uh, there is good ways to call in turkeys with bad calls, but the better the caller you are, the more success you're going to have. I think so many hunters that are going to be out in the field this year might be new to turkey hunting or maybe we're taking it up after we haven't done it in a few years. You're not going to become a great turkey caller overnight. Grab those calls right now. Get the calls out if you own the calls. Watch some shows, you know, on your lunch break. You know, when you get home at night, start practicing with those calls. Get, you know, get the dust worn off and get back to where you are very adequate with that call uh, just so when turkey season runs around you are ready to go and the last quick tip of advice everybody hunts early turkey they get out there they're excited they've been cooped up all winter and they hit it hard i rarely hunt those opening weekends i wait until a little later my peak time for turkey is in colorado is once the hens start nesting up so this is going to come to actually the last 10 percent of the entire season once the hens are on nest once they're laying eggs once they're tied up that's when those gobblers start getting frustrated because there's not as many hens out there and that's when those gobblers start covering a ton of ground looking for hens and that's when your calling ratio is going to go through the roof so just keep that in mind uh if you're not ready for that opener no worries the season will only get better as time goes on nate we are way out of time how do people get a hold of you if they uh, want to book a trip absolutely tightlineoutdoors.com tightline outdoors on facebook i will say personally speaking i only have one date left in may three dates left in june we are booking up if you're thinking about a guide service whether it's me matt dustin or will give us a call now because we are definitely almost sold out so give us a call we'd love to take you out all right my friend we'll talk to you next week talk soon all right nate zelinski great great resource hey we're going to switch gears when i tap to this break austin parr is going to join us we're going to talk fishing then we're going to get back with the guys at colorado clays about patterning your turkey shotguns so we have a lot of ground to cover on terry works from outdoors and 104.3 the fan Can't get no you're listening to terry works from outdoors on 104.3 the fan let's go right to the phones and joining us is austin parr good morning austin good morning terry thanks for having me thanks for coming on uh we're getting the pent-up demand to get out on the water is unbelievable. We've talked boating. Of course, we talked turkey hunting. We're going to talk more of that after the next segment after this. But people are ready. There's still great ice fishing going on. We may mention that. But people are ready to get on the open water. In fact, waiting for this segment, we've already been texted by people asking about Chatfield and Cherry Creek. You know, the walleyes, the trout, the bass, and the panfish and ponds, all of that's going to become available with this warm weather. What are you hearing out there, and what are people, what kind of feedback are you getting? Yeah, so actually just a few minutes ago, got two separate reports talking about how Cherry Creek is almost 100% ice-free right now. So we should see boating out there potentially this next week, so keep an eye out on their website for that. Uh, certainly looking forward to getting out there and, and, and fishing that. But Chatfield has uh, plenty of open water right now, although there's still some ice holding on in that southern end. So we may be uh, another week or so before we're going to see boating out on Chatfield. 
but the walleyes are going to be getting going. But right now, the, the trout have been up on the shorelines pretty heavily, and folks have been catching them all across the front range. Uh, Barber Ponds has been very good at St. Brain State Park, but Chatfield also has been producing a good number of trout. We've been hearing great reports from Bear Creek Reservoir as well, fishing open water. And a lot of these lakes, particularly Bear Creek, did not see a whole lot of ice fishing pressure this year. It just never got the, the normal safe ice that we would be seeing for any kind of period of time. So Bear Creek uh, is a great option to maybe find some holdover trout that did not get pressured through the ice fishing. Now, a lot of these trout we're going to see, I think that was too up and down the front range. We didn't see as much pressure as we normally do because the ice was kind of hit and miss all winter. And they restock, they stock in the fall, they restock in the spring. And then you've got the rainbows, the holdover ones kind of looking to spawn. So they're coming in shallow, the water's warming. This stuff, the trout along the shore of the bigger bodies of water is probably one of the most reliable bites right now. What kind of techniques do you recommend to people when they go after those? So really covering a lot of water to start with, try and find your locations where the fish are concentrated is something that I like to do. So along the shoreline, I'm I'm mobile. I'm not really setting up in one spot a whole lot to start with, and I'm picking something that covers some good water. So I like a small jerkbait like an HD trout lure, but then also a cast master or or some form of a heavier spinner like a blue fox vibrax all can cover some water pretty, pretty quickly. Once I locate some of those fish, a lot of times you can switch to a fly rod with fish that are uh, up shallow spawning. You can strip small streamers like a woolly bugger and trail a little nymph like a, a soft tackle hare's ear. But you can also nymph fish uh, egg flies, still water nymph fishing with an indicator. But you can also go and, and put a bait line out uh, with some salmon eggs or some power bait. And if you have a second rod stamp, then cast the secondary rod as well. And once you get some, some good fish located in a certain area, you can make some, some pretty good production happen. So whether you're with a kid or just yourself, or there's great opportunities to, to be had over the next couple of weeks, and that's not even mentioning the walleyes that we're going to be seeing in the next couple of weeks as well. Well, on those trout, one of my favorite techniques, I love covering water the way you do, but if I have a second angler with me or a kid with me or even just using my second rod stamp, you know, you can't chum in Colorado, but you can put out baits that give off scent. And I think the power bait, the paste type power bait, if you can put one, if you locate a pot of fish and put that out there, they're going to stay around just because of that. And it not only will you catch them on the power bait, but it does end up making your moving presentation so much more effective, Austin. Absolutely. Yeah, you're drawing fish in, and you can not not to mention doesn't make your moving presentation effective. It also gives you an opportunity to catch a bunch of fish on that rod as well. So you get it out in the rod holder. And something that I just kind of want to make mention, if someone's doing that, do everything you can to keep your reel out of the sand. That's something that I see at the store all the time where people have issues with reels and it's filled with sand and dirt. So buy a rod holder, get it up out of the sand, and don't lay your reel down in that dirt. You'll have a reel that's going to last a lot longer if you do that. I I couldn't agree more. Before we get to the walleyes, a little bit, I think the ponds and some of the smaller lakes, even Quincy I'm hearing, is open. And the bass and panfish in these bodies of water, as they warm up over the next few days, are going to be another great option. Absolutely. And you can do the same kind of two-rod setup for those. But a lot of times on my bait rod, rather than throwing something like power bait, I'll be shifting over to a live minnow or a shiner. So in areas that you can do that, you cannot do that at Quincy, but a lot of your other local ponds you can. I'll run a little float or slip bobber and have a live shiner down there hooked through the dorsal fin. And then I'm going to be casting a more of a reactionary bait for these cold water bass. So I love suspending jerk baits, a wrap with shadow wrap or an X wrap can be great options. 
even some husky jerks. I've caught good fish on this time of year, but I also like catching fish on some spinner baits, low rolling spinner baits. I like lipless cranks and then chatter baits all work well for me in the cold water. So you can do the same type of presentation where you lay a rod out there, have it sit with that bait, and then you work your main rod and continue to work down your bank with that type of a setup. And a lot of times you can get a good handful of fish doing something like that for your large mouth, and then you can work some smaller jigs for your crappie and shift from a shiner to a fathead if you're fishing for more of the, the panfish. And I think uh, probably a little early for the bluegills. You can get them on a jig, but give it about two, three weeks, and those bluegills will start moving to shore too, and that's when you want to get a kit out. In fact, I have a video on my YouTube channel, Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom, on taking my grandkids out that's posted right now. You can get the link on my Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, where I take a, a public pond after I've checked and the bluegills have moved in, and I just put about two feet of line below a pencil bobber with an unweighted hook and a piece of nightcrawler or gulp bait on that, and as that bait slowly falls, or if the kids move it, it goes up and down. And you won't maybe catch the biggest panfish, but boy, will you hammer the panfish uh, with that type of presentation. Real quick, what do you see and hearing about the walleye bite, the shore bite especially right now? Hasn't been picking up to a huge degree as of yet, but with this warm temperature that we're going to be seeing this week and next, I'm going to be anticipating some fish moving up shallow here quickly in your small ponds. Maybe another week or so, maybe two weeks before we see fish move up on some of your rock faces on your bigger bodies of water. Keep in mind to look at the regulations on each body of water that you're fishing. Cherry Creek uh, has that dam that's going to be getting closed, as does Chatfield. So watch that. Certainly we'll see where the spawn goes uh, with CPW. But the, the suspending jerk baits are going to be where to go. Uh, shadow wraps one of my favorites, but X wraps also produce well slow presentations and a lot of times not as heavy of a jerk as you're going to be thinking uh, I do a lot really really well with a lighter pop when that water is really cold well and it's typically those jerk baits this time of year are low light presentation early morning late evening um, it can be hit and miss a number of bites but you're liable to catch the biggest walleye of your life or if you get into a bunch of those active males you can get a pretty steady bite in the brighter times of the day, I like to throw maybe just a lead head jig at them with a piece of plastic on it. Yeah, I love twitch tail minnows and goat minnows in the daytime this time of year. Work in the same general type of areas off of the edges of your rock faces, and you can pick up some fish with that. But in reality, this time of year, as you mentioned, the low light periods and into the darkness is definitely going to be my optimal time frame and certainly if you're walking the dam face try and limit the amount of light that you have on the water i've always done better the, the darker you can keep it the better i typically have with the bite all right we got just a little bit of time left real quick what is the equipment looking like out there last year it was hard to get supplies hard to get rods reels line baits how are you seeing that what's happening now should people be buying early I certainly am seeing some issues. Uh, I'm doing everything I can to, to buy up everything that I can get my hands on right now, but there's still huge areas of, of uh, blank space. Reels especially are really challenging. Uh, rods at times can be rough. We got a couple of big preseason orders in on some various rod uh, companies, but the actual inventory that's sitting on right now is tough. 
anything Chinese oriented with some of those strikes that have been happening on the West Coast, getting product in off shipping containers is a real big issue right now. So even American made products that are utilizing a Chinese component or two are being held up. So grab what you can now, especially if you're looking for a new reel. Uh, Line's been doing okay with a lot of that being made in the U.S. Crankbaits are a problem, especially any kind of Chinese crankbait flicker shads are definitely an issue right now. Um, But across the board, we're doing our best, but it's, I think, going to be somewhat reminiscent of last summer in terms of supply chain issues. All right, so get your gear early, and it's time to get out there. Austin, if people want more information to get a hold of you, a guide trip, what do they do? I'm at Discount Fishing Tackle. We're six blocks south. Um, Evan's on Santa Fe. I'm here all the time. Um, I'd love to talk about a guide trip or any kind of product, whatever we need. All right, and, of course, always up-to-date fishing information. You know, you get the guys coming in and out. You're on the water yourself. Great resource. Thanks again for joining us, Austin. Thank you, Terry. I appreciate it. You bet. Austin Parr. We're going to take a time out, and when we come back, we're going to switch up, and J.R. Pierce from Colorado Clay is going to join us, and we're really going to get in to the patterning turkey guns right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. James Taylor, what a talent. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear Stores up and down the front range. You've been hearing about we don't know what the supply chain is going to be. Stop at a Jack's near you and check them out. They'll have what you need. Let's go right to the phones. And joining us from Colorado Clays is J.R. Pierce. Good morning, J.R. Hey, good morning, Terry. You know, Nate kind of started talking turkey hunting, and we talked about it a little bit a couple weeks ago. But it is time to get out and find out. And a lot of people are new. A lot of people are going again for not having gone for years. There's more turkeys on Colorado than there's ever been, but there might not be more guns and ammunition and chokes out there. We don't know yet. We'll see. But either way, you really need to be finding out what the capabilities of your firearm are right now if you can get the loads you want to shoot and understanding your capabilities. And I probably don't know anybody other than you who has extensively worked with the tubes, the guns, and the ammo to pattern these turkeys. So we need you to share some of your wisdom with us. Well, Terry, and there is a broad range of information. I can kind of go through this and and touch on some of the uh, most important stuff that we've researched and come up with over the years. And, you know, Terry, like I say, being Colorado's premier public shooting facility here at Colorado Clays, we pattern a multitude of different types of guns each year for everything from target shooting, different types of bird hunting, home defense, and more. But with turkey season just around the corner, uh, patterning patterning your your turkey hunting gun at Colorado Clays could be the difference between success and failure. And uh, just so folks know, our pattern area offers ranges of 20 to 50 yards, uh, gun racks, table rests, 42-inch square cardboard backers, so we can really see our results, and it's set up just for doing what we need. Now, starting with the guns, you know, we always talk about that, Terry. Uh, We pattern this year and in years past 20, 12, and 10-gauge guns. Now, the overwhelming majority of them are 12-gauges. They are the most popular because probably they're most available, easiest to find ammo for, um, as a couple of reasons. Uh, We pattern different styles of guns, pumps, semi-automatics, and over-unders. So what's the reason to choose one or the other? Well, uh, 
one of them is individual preference. Um, some people are on a budget. You know, sometimes you can buy a feel-grade pump cheaper than you can buy something else. And availability, as is anything in 2021. Now, although there are obvious differences and advantages to each type of gun, our patterning results overall have not shown a particular advantage to any style as far as effective ranges are concerned. Um, and, you know, we do. We, we uh, pattern guns with barrel lengths from 20 to 32 inches, uh, most of them being 26, 28, or 30 inches. And our results have also shown that barrel length is not as big of a determining factor on your pattern dynamics as is choke and ammo selection. Now, I have had folks ask me if barrel length uh, has an effect on muzzle velocities and different things. And being that I have not really done chronograph work on barrel lengths with nothing else changing, um, I will say that I have read manufacturer and independent research data um, that would indicate that most of the powder burn is complete and muzzle velocity achieved in the first 18 inches of the barrel and also that the choke tube is a choke tube regardless of where it's placed. So that barrel length is not that big a factor. Now, I will say, and a good way to put this is it would appear that the difference between a 26 and 30 inch barrel is basically that a 30 inch barrel is four inches closer to your target. Um, now, there are other important considerations when it comes to your gun choice. Um, a lot of folks come out here, they're, they're camouflage guns, whether they did it themselves or they came that way. Um, site selection. So, of course, we have beads, uh, some of the fluorescent sites and scopes. Uh, see all of those. One thing I will say, um, a very um, simple bead is sometimes better. I have had a few fellows come out with the fluorescent sights uh, using a turkey head representation and said that the fluorescent sight actually uh, got in the way of it and covered up their target and made it harder to aim. So definitely a consideration on the fluorescence. Make sure it's a very fine one. And make sure if you put one on, it doesn't uh, change your point of impact by how high it sits off the barrel. Uh, of course, you know, a brake gun is quieter or closed than a pump or semi-automatic, if that matters. The length, of course, if you're in a blind, um, is definitely, or in heavy cover, easier to handle a shorter gun than a longer one. Gun fit is a consideration, and there's just many more things you can find out here at Colorado Clays by bringing that gun out. Now, if I have a gun, or I'm going to get a gun, or once I have a gun, and now I've got to decide on two choke tubes or ammo, what should I do first? Should I shoot some ammo through that gun the way it is? Should I invest in a choke tube right away, or do I need to see how it patterns first? Uh, well, and that's a really good question, Terry. Now, as far as, you know, chicken and the egg, which one first? I will say, so most of the guns we see have a selection of choke tubes that came with the gun. So that's always an option. And if you choose that factory choke for your turkey hunting, of course, we'll always go with that tightest one, which is generally a full or sometimes an extra full. Now, we have patterned many guns with the factory chokes over the years and have ended up with fairly good results out to 30 or 40 yards when they're combined with a good hunting load. Now, for the most effective gun choke load combos, we have noticed significant improvements in effective range by using an extended choke tube in a choke restriction known as turkey, um, the turkey tube, if you will. Uh, a couple reasons an extended turkey choke can be uh, an effect and improved pattern diameter and therefore pellet density at a given range is first, 
that it is a much tighter constriction of your shot charge coming through the through the tube. Now, in general, an extended tube yields better results than a flush with the barrel tube when nothing else has changed. And I will say, Terry, a few years ago, um, I had Briley build a choke tube for a specific gun in a specific steel waterfowl load. Uh, I chose the the factory tube was blowing my patterns to pieces, even at 20 yards, and the new choke was patterning very well out to like 60. So I asked the engineer I was working with, why should we use an extended tube over a flush with the barrel tube, and why will they pattern better? And for anybody that might be curious, in general, he said, and particularly with steel, when you are forcing it uh, in a more tapered and longer area, the pellets have a tendency to to find and blend together better. So the longer twos are doing the same thing in a longer distance, shorter distance can blow out patterns. So um, something to think of when choosing that turkey tube and definitely an advantage to turkey specific and to extended tubes. Now, as far as the hunting load, there's such a wide variety of ammo produced, it can be hard to decide where to start. Uh, Heavier shot charge or pellet size will both affect pattern density at a given range. And I've seen many different loads produce decent results out to 30 or 40 yards in different guns um, uh, over the years. But once again, Terry, we have seen significant increases in effective ranges when a turkey-specific hunting load is chosen and it's combined with an extended turkey tube. Uh, Some of the gun choke and load combos we tested last year we're putting 12 to 20 pellets of number five shot in the head neck region of a turkey target out to 50 yards, uh, which was very impressive. And it would appear that the ammo manufacturers have done fairly extensive testing and adjusted their powder burn rates, wad construction, muzzle velocities, and shot charge pellet sizes and quantities to achieve, you know, really great results out to those extended ranges. I have a quick question for you. When you tighten that pattern to get out to 50 or 50-plus yards, what happens to your pattern at 20 or 30 yards? Do you become less effective because you have a smaller pattern? Well, and that thing, Terry, if your gun is shooting where you are pointing it, uh, it doesn't matter um, if we're using a slug or uh, very fine shot. So if you're in the middle, if your point of aim and point of impact are, are zero or pretty close to that, um, pellet size and uh, pattern diameter are not that big a deal. Now, as you, your pattern gets smaller, uh, your tolerance and room for error becomes less. That is true. That is another reason why some trigger time here at Colorado Clays, whether you're patterning or even just going out and shooting on our courses, um, anytime you can get that muscle memory and get that control of your gun to where you don't have variables uh, as far as steady and such become a factor, uh, you're going to be a better shot, and those will not be as important. We have about a minute left, and one thing you and I have talked about in the past, and we found out that kind of surprised me, is that your point of impact with that shotgun changes dramatically when you're standing like you might be for waterfall or for upland game, that when you sit down like you would be for turkey, it can greatly change your point of impact. Yeah, and Terry, that's one of the one of the things about our pattern area, shooting positions. Uh, we have sitting, uh, bench rest, standing all available. And over the years, uh, we have seen that 
When people go to a sitting position resting on a knee, they have a tendency for their gun to lay lower and different on their cheek, and they sometimes predispose themselves to shooting high because the sight picture changes. So practicing in the position you plan to be hunting can be priceless um, when it comes down to time for a shot. JR, we are out of time, but I know we're going to cover this more over the next month because turkey season is coming up quickly. But if people want to come out and just talk to you, I know they don't even have to shoot. You're more than willing to talk to you. Or if they want to pattern their guns, how do they get a hold of you? Well, certainly, Terry, give us a call, 303-659-7117. Go to coloradoclays.com. Check out what we have to offer. Send us an email if you prefer. And uh, definitely get a hold of me. We, we like to help everybody out. And every bit of data we can put into our um, results will be available on the next shows. All right, my friend. We will talk to you again in a couple of weeks. You have a great weekend with this good weather. Okay, you too. Thank you, Terry. All right, J.R. Pierce from Colorado Clays. I'll tell you, he has such compiled an unbelievable amount of data on patterning shotguns. If you're new to turkey hunting or just shotgun shooting in general, you need to get out and talk to him. That's J.R. out of Colorado Clays. We're going to take a quick time out, and we come back. We'll wrap up Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. Here comes the sun. Now, is this, we'll get to Dan Jacobs later, but I think this song is there for him. We'll find out. You're listening to Terry Wicks from Outdoors. We're going to wrap up the show here. A couple of quick things before I talk to Mr. Jacobs I want to tell you about. Uh, the open water stuff has taken off. The trout bite up and down the front range near the shore is going to be phenomenal. The panfish bite and the bass bite is going to get better. And that walleye bite for the big, big fish is going to come into play. It can be frustrating fishing, but you can catch the fish of a lifetime. We covered a lot of ground, including turkey hunting today. I will post a number of those interviews and segments on my Facebook page, uh, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Also, I think we're, we're working hard to get trivia started again. We're lining up some prizes. And, of course, the answers to the trivia are always pre-posted on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on uh, Facebook and YouTube. If you're going to get your kids out fishing panfish in this spring in public ponds, I just did a, uh, a show that I filmed a few years ago. Karen put it up on YouTube, our YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom, taking the grandkids out. And there's also a link to that on our Facebook page. And now, Kyle, is Mr. Dan Jacobs around? I'm right here, sir. Uh, Kyle, do you have a special message for him? Happy birthday. So go. let me get you in your birthday. All right, Mr. Jacob, it's happy birthday. All right. All right. Now, Dan, I do have a question it's for also, you. By the way, it's also the station's birthday. The it fan, is. The fan turns 26 years old today. Wow. You know, Me, both what, of us, actually, both of us. Yeah, what's really, well, what's really amazing to me is I was your coach in high school, and I'm only 35, yet you're old enough to be on the radio and be a lawyer and a judge. How is that possible? Well, I'm, uh, you know, I was a prodigy. You know, remember those shows yeah. when I was a kid with Doogie Hauser and stuff? He was a doctor when he was like 10. That was, that's me. Oh, okay. I knew there was a reason because with my young age, I couldn't figure it out. 
By the way, I love listening to the show because you have all these experts on because I think it's good that Terry learns how to fish. You know, you have a you know a, a show named after you, and one of these days you're going to learn how to fish, and, and you'll be able to put these skills to, to work. That's awesome, man. Well, you know, most of these guys you listen to on the show grew up learning from me before it's, you get too carried away. So you're never too old, careful. Terry. You're never too old to be learn. Caref- be careful, my friend. Hey, I do have a question for you yes, about sir. the Broncos, though. Mm-hmm. Vaughn cleared of charges. There's nothing probably in the way, no suspensions or anything. Um, they're talking about they want him back. But coming off his injury with the amount of salary cap he hits and the holes they have to fill, is bringing Vaughn back at that price a really good move for the team? Well, Tyler, in fact, listen, in 20 minutes, we're going to have uh, Darren D. McMahon coming on. But I was listening to the drive yesterday. His partner, Tyler Columbus, says, don't you have to pay him the $18 million? I strongly disagree, Terry. But we'll be talking about it all day today. We only have to pay him that if you're going to bring him back. He can go out on the free market, but he was down the year before. He's coming off an injury. Yeah, he was down two years ago. Yeah, yeah, right. Like, yeah, it's been three years, three full years since he was even decent. Yeah, so I think I'm a little skeptical. I love Vaughn. I'd love him to come back to his old production. He's a he's a leader on the team, but I just hope they make the right move with him, Mr. Jacobs. I will real quick, real quick on that. I'm sure you would yeah. love to bowl like you bowled 25 years ago. What are the odds of that? Well, I, I can't. They're right. not even close. Okay, so what are the odds that Vaughn Miller is going to play? Uh, you know, at a uh, the the level he played at four years ago. I mean, what what are the odds? No, it's. I just don't see it happening. Right. I no matter how hard he works, he's coming off a significant injury that he probably won't even be full speed at the beginning of the season. There you so, go. That's what. All right, my friend, I will let you go. I'll wrap this up so people can hear you talk about it. All right, thanks. You bet. We're going to wrap up the show, and then you can get to Mr. Dan Jacobs. And you got to cut through some of what he says sometimes because, you know, sometimes he gets a little carried away, but he really is fun to listen to, and he's a good friend. Um, join us every Saturday morning from 9 to 11. Follow us on Facebook, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Go to our YouTube channel, The Best Fishing with Terry Wickstrom. A lot of great information there. We'll let the Eagles take us to sports with Dan Jacobs on 104.3 The Fan. Continue.